0: Hey, this is H1. We're going to be running it back with another episode talking about chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding. And today we will be discussing the word quality. What does quality have to do with chess? What does quality have to do with chess? Well, I will be discussing that. What is quality? What is a bad piece and a good piece? And don't just stop there because this isn't a beginner lesson. This is like beginner with advanced Type of lesson, you know. Don't don't just stop there. And then plus, we're gonna be talking about why quality is important, how to use quality to your advantage, and what to do if your pieces are trash. And by trash, I mean what to do like if your pieces basically don't have no occupation. And I will be describing that in detail. So just sit back, relax, you know. Eat some fries or something. I don't, I don't know. Dip the fries in some cheese. Dang, wasn't the last episode I was just talking about good health? I don't. Dip dip some celery in in some sugar-free ranch? I don't I don't know. But anyway, hey, let's get to the next segment. Let's get it. Peace. Ha <laughs> So we are going to be talking about quality because once you learn about quality, your chess skills are going to be on a whole nother level. I promise you it is. And quality is so important. Activity in chess is really important. And so when you add the word quality right behind activity, that's where the real skill comes in. So, let's get started. What is quality? H1. What is quality? Like, like for real. Like, what am I supposed to do with quality? Do you know what the word quality even means? Man, I didn't even research that word. I don't know. I know what quality means in chess. And quality means in chess, the activity of all of your major and minor pieces, Do you get it? It means that each one of your pieces is on an important square, right? An important square. Not something that's like off the first rank type of deal. This isn't like some beginner type stuff that if your piece isn't on the first rank, then it's doing something right. No, I'm talking about you take your piece off its original starting position and putting it on a square where it's doing a job for you and not just sitting there looking pretty. Like You can say that each one of your pieces have a purpose on the board. That's what I mean. And by quality, it makes the whole world go round. And so... On that note, let me just explain how each piece each piece have an important job. What's the job? What what are you talking about? How is chess equated with a job? Well, one of your pieces could be attacking the king. Or one of your pieces could be backing a pawn break. You know, getting prepared for a pawn break in the center to control the center, or it could be just conquering more squares and your opponent's camp, trying to get them in a in a zugzwang, right? And that's what I mean by each piece needs an important job, because once each piece has a job. It just makes it so much easier on you to find that tactic, to find that strategy, to find the next plan. Think about it like this: um, I, I remember, I remember just doing chess tactics endlessly. I was one of those kids I could just do like a hundred chess tactics within like two hours straight, you know. And I used to do this in middle school, and I would be really frustrated because I would be able to get the tactics when I was doing the chess tactics, you know, doing the puzzles on a computer or doing chess puzzles in books. But when it came to my real games, I never even had the chance to demonstrate that I knew the chess tactic. And this is one of the main ways to get into those positions where you can do those chess tactics by having quality in your gameplay. So none of your pieces and I mean none of your pieces should not be allowed to be lazy or procrastinate during the battle. Because there's not a lot of moves in chess, especially if you're facing a really good opponent that know how to bring out their pieces, use their pieces to the fullest of their ability as fast and efficient as possible. If your opponent knows how to do that, you cannot have lazy players that procrastinate. And just put it with these examples. Just think about back in the day where, and maybe it was just me, but when I used to bring like school homework back home, I would wait until like the last minute to do the to do the homework. I would even wait so far where I would I would wait one class before the exact class. I would wait one period before the class that I'm supposed to um, finish the homework in. So I would even do it at home. I would do it the next day when the homework was supposed to be done and finished. And I would do my homework during cafeteria periods, and it was just a horrible setup for me because it wouldn't be accurate. But I still got to see though, so it's cool. And it's really bad to be in that habit to procrastinate to the last hour, the last minute, the last second. Think about this: for grownups, even going to work each day. You don't want to procrastinate to the last minute where you're late to work or you have a pattern being late to work. You don't want to be that person. You want to be that dependable person. Even though you might have that extra five minutes to do whatever you want. And I used to be this person too. I used to be like, well, maybe I can lift a dumbbell I have time to do 10 push-ups. I have time to even read one page of that book. But then five minutes turn to seven minutes. And you're like, I should have just left when I had the extra five minutes. And now you're dependent on the grace period at your job. That's not the position you're trying to be in. Third example, and this is for everybody, cleaning up your room, your house, your sanctuary. You can wait for the last minute, right? Or you can just clean it up now and then. What happens to dishes if you don't clean up the dishes when you have a dinner with your family or by yourself? It's easier to do the dishes after you eat. Then you won't have no dishes left. Or if you was having a big party at your house and you're trying to be presentable, you don't wait until the hour before your family's supposed to be at your house for the party. You do it throughout the week so that you do not have to stress about not having the house cleaned. And so those are three pretty good examples of not allowing your pieces to be lazy or to procrastinate. And honestly, if your piece don't have a purpose or a job, like the examples I was using, and they're being lazy, then you have to give them some work. You're the manager of the chessboard. You're the person you're supposed to assign the, the work. Even if you have to put one of your pieces in the refrigerator, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you gotta you gotta make sure that your pieces are working, doing the best that they can. So basically, if your pieces are more organized than your opponent's pieces, you're doing a good job, and you find and you might find some tactics here and there, and It will be easier for you to find a plan. And that's what most people complain about nowadays is, I can't think about a plan. Well, if your pieces is already doing a good job and are organized, then it will make your life a whole lot easier. And the one thing you should be afraid of is a bad piece. Now, let's go deeper into what is a bad piece and a good piece. What is the difference between a bad piece and a good piece in the next segment? This is the waiting room segment, Chess Jokes by H1. And the joke of today is, my friend asked me if I'm good for playing a game of chess next Saturday. I responded back that I will need to check, mate. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we're going to be going over what is a bad piece and a good piece in this segment where we are going to go over why is quality important. So, here it goes. A bad piece in chess is a piece that is limited in movement. For example, and you're going to have to use some imagination in this. And think about a chessboard and whatnot. But, for example, if you have a bishop, right, and all of your pawns are on the same color squares of your bishop, because we know that bishops can't go on the other colors, you know? They can only stay on one color on the chessboard, right? And let's just say all the pawns are basically covering the bishop. Then it's restricted of movement, Right, so let me give something more in depth. Let me let me think about a position right quick. Let's say that the bishop is on f one, right? So you have the white pieces. So white bishop on f one and there is a pawn on g2, and there is a pawn on what's the other what's the other thing square E2, right? So, since those pawns are on those squares, g2 and e2, that bishop on f1 cannot move. That is considered a bad piece, since it is limited in movement. It has no plans, no purpose. It is jobless. Okay, now, a good piece in chess is when a piece has freedom of movement. For example, if your bishop um if your bishop is free to go on whatever square they want to go on and there are no pawns on the same square of that bishop. So all the pawns are on the opposite square of the bishop that is free. That is a good piece because that bishop has limited resources. I mean, unlimited resources. Man, I messed that up. (laughs) But that bishop is going places. But the other bishop? No, not going anywhere because that bishop is limited in their movement. They don't have the freedom like the good piece. So it's important to make sure you're fighting with your whole squad. Not the not with bad pieces either. All of your pieces have to be considered good. Which all of your pieces technically have to be free of movement. And when you have a couple bad pieces in your squad, then you're not fighting with your whole army. You're fighting with half your army. And if your opponent is really good, and they know what they're doing... You will get demolished, destroyed, annihilated by your opponent. And you should know the reason now, if you're listening to this, why you got annihilated. And it's not because it's it's not because your pieces failed you. It's because you didn't have them all fighting, and you didn't even give yourself a chance to have. A, a fighting chance against your opponent that knows everything. You got to at least give your pieces the opportunity to show you, nah, we was doing our job. You just not smart enough. And that's pretty much the attitude that you have to have. And, hey, based on a player that always disappoints his pieces sometimes, when I take like a, a, a month break from chess and I'm like, oh, crap, why did I not see that for and Then my pieces be like, man, why are you such an idiot, bro? And then I'll be like, I don't know why, but I'm I'm gonna learn from this and and be better, little one. And the pieces look at me like, you better because I don't got time for your nonsense. I'm trying to win. I lose people on this battlefield. <laughs> it would be funny if they had like a whole like backstory. I can make like a movie out of it. It's gonna be starring on Netflix. It's gonna be called um. Every piece for itself, or something, something um, abstract, or or influence, influential. I don't know if that could be a good movie. You might as well just put that in the Apple Google reviews, you know, or just just push a follow for for if that's a good movie idea. Just just push the follow people who are on the podcast or subscribe, you know, because I'm pretty sure that it's free. And this is pretty good information. I'm not going to lie. And I do a lot of um, studying. And this is basically mostly knowledge from my mind with a wrote out outline. Okay, next thing. Why is quality important? Well, depending on where the pieces are stationed, it can make a big difference in a game. It can actually decide based on the quality of pieces who is winning and who is losing. And one person who I know definitely use quality to their advantage is Gary Kasparov. Seeing his games, I was like fascinated seeing how he used all the pieces to the fullest extent. So quality can be a crucial point in evaluating the position. The quality of pieces can overlap other elements too. So for example, if you have better quality pieces, then that can overlap more material. So let's say that you you exchange one of your pieces f- I mean, let's say that you sacrifice your rook for one of your uh, opponent's minor pieces. Your quality of your pieces can basically offset the material that you gave up, which can constitute a sacrifice, right? So you can sacrifice quality for space or space for material or material for quality. The, the switch up mostly happens and if there's no switch up then it's not really a sacrifice but real sacrifices switch up consistently with the evaluating chart okay and you can sacrifice your pawn structure for good quality pieces these things happen the majority of the time in grandmaster games i would really watch like recent or old grandmaster games that and kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about. But when you get really good at chess, then you can really lay out like why you did that sacrifice and why it was crucial in your position. But most of these elements of chess, these ways to evaluate a position really fast can overlap one another and one thing could be more important than the other in certain positions. And that's why I like chess. It's, it's really cool. It's really dope when you can understand that concept. So, it's usually not possible to have a superior position with one or two active pieces. So, that's why you need the whole army. You need the queen, the two rooks. Even though it takes a while for the two rooks to get it, I think about the two rooks like that... Um. Like that teenager that doesn't want to get up for school because they've been they're they're sleeping and trying to grow like still. And I was that teenager that had to get wake up by their mom. And the mom was like, like did some extra stuff, like turned on the lights on me. And then I'm like spazzing in bed because my eyes are burning. And it's like, yeah, that's that's how I think about it. The, the rooks being active. It just takes them a little bit, but they eventually going to get out. You know, it's eventually going to happen. And then you get your two bishops, and then you get your knights in the center trying to control things, give them some assignments, and voila. You have quality. You have good pieces all around. And hopefully, your pieces have more quality than your opponents. Okay, it's time to get down to business. We're going to be talking about how to use quality to your advantage. And... This first thing we're gonna be talking about, I kinda already mentioned it in the last segment, but it's nothing wrong with repetition. So, um, activity can beat a lot of key elements in chess. So, I talk about um, these key elements a lot in chess, and to evaluate positions, I always talk about time, quality, space, pond structure, material, king safety. These are usually the main things about how to evaluate certain positions. Gary Kasparov uses it. Um, a lot of grandmasters pretty much use these type of um, meanings to evaluate positions. Every grandmaster uses it. It might be a different word, or they might replace something else with something else. But it usually always ends up with this group of words with with this meaning. Okay, and. So let me, let me go along with what I said the last segment. And for example, when you have a better quality... Um, when you have better quality pieces than your opponent, sometimes even if you have less material than your opponent, you can have a winning position. Okay? So just like I mentioned in the last segment, material don't always win especially if you have more time and quality it always switches and that's what constitute a good sacrifice if you sacrifice something and you add value to your position and your opponent you add something to your opponent that really don't matter in that exact position and you have a winning advantage pretty much Um, for some more examples, a knight on the good outpost could dominate an inactive rook. You know, some good principles just to have in the back of your head. Depending on the position, an active queen can be better than uncoordinated rooks. Because, you know, two rooks is more valuable than a queen. Since two rooks is ten and a queen is nine points. Um, an active queen can definitely be two... uncoordinated rooks. And I've seen it before in certain positions. Uh, And that's why it's really good for you to calculate um, when you're playing chess. Plus, material really doesn't matter if your king is not safe and is being attacked. And that's why king safety is like the utmost important. Because if your king isn't safe, that can make your whole position trash. Even if you have Um, good time, good quality, more space, a better pawn structure, more material. If your king isn't safe, then that could ruin the whole position, okay? Okay, second thing. You have more options to defend and attack. So when you have better quality pieces, you have more options, okay? When you have more good quality pieces, then I can confirm you're controlling the... I mean, dang, I said that sentence wrong. But when you have more good quality pieces, then I I can really confirm if you're controlling the center or I can um, confirm who is more flexible in their play and whatnot. And it's, it's really good you being able to attack either the king side or queen side you could decide that for yourself and you have all the options in the world to execute a perfect plan and the more quality pieces you have the more options you will have to counter your opponent's threats attacks when needed so that's that's good too remember what i said like an army of three in chess. And this isn't no like fiction book or like this isn't no story telling type of thing. An army of three in chess is not going to beat an army of five. It's just not going to happen. If your opponent have more pieces that they're attacking with than what you're defending, if they are really strategic and good with their play, they're going to beat you 100% of the time. And... Keep that in the back of your head when you're playing chess. Don't, don't be don't be like that. Don't be trying to be um fake and not honest with yourself. Okay, last thing about it. Once you gain an active strategic advantage, you should look for the final plan or tactic to move into a winning position. So you should definitely keep your eye on all of your forcing moves and your opponent. So remember, forcing moves is captures, checks and threats and you do not want to miss an opportunity and I know how it feels to miss an opportunity even after a tournament and notice uh, when you go back home that dang I could have won that that game that I lost so when you're in this position and you can evaluate okay okay I have more time I I clearly have better quality pieces I have more space, my pawn structure is immaculate, my king is already castled, and I should be looking for um, that home run, you know, that that forceful move that can make sure that my opponent cannot crawl out of that little dungeon that they're in, or that hole that they're in, and that's what you kind of want to be. Listen, you want to be that person where Let's say your opponent is trapped in a hole and they're trying to climb their way out. You want to be that person on like the edge with a stick trying to poke them back down. And that's that's what you want to that's what you want to be like, you know? And make sure that they're really injured when they go back down, you know? And I know that could be like very disheartening, right? And very cruel in a certain stance of me saying those exact words. But listen. You want to win in chess, right? <laughs> Nobody said you could be kind in chess. And that's a subject for a different different day, but you can't be kind in chess. You have to have that competitive spirit to make sure that you can knock your opponent down when they're on the lowest lows. <laughs> People do it all the time in chess tournaments. Just, just notice when you're watching the chess tournament i, I remember when i was watching a chess tournament there, there there's always this guy that's basically not supposed to be there but i mean he's a huge representation of either the country or the city or whatnot and he's like 200 points down from the top 10 people and then the, the top 10 people just bully the guy The the guy that's basically just like the outsider he just gets bullied throughout the whole tournament and all the players are looking for a win against that guy definitely they're just already calling it hey i'm supposed to win against that guy he already lost in so and so so i'm gonna use that same opening and demolish him again and they make fun of the people who draw against that person because you're like, nah, you're part of the top 10. You're supposed to win. It's a whole commotion, right? Chess is ruthless. All competitive sports is you, is ruthless. So you might as well just change your heart to be the same way. But being competitive doesn't mean being a jerk or... um. Just being a rude person. You don't have to be a rude person and competitive. You you should have some um, social skills to, you know, be honest, blunt, but still be a nice person. (laughs) And that's the only way to describe that. Okay, Um, we are going to be headed to our last segment pretty soon. This is the waiting room segment. Just quotes by H1. And the quote of today is I don't believe in psychology. I believe in good moves. By Bobby Fischer. Thank you for listening. Okay, so uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be really blunt in this little segment here, but we're going to be talking about what to do when your pieces are horrible, aka trash. What to do with the trash, okay? Because here's the thing, you want to be a good person, right? So when you're walking down the street and you see, I don't know, a chip bag by a trash can... Maybe you should pick that up, or maybe you should recycle your trash. You know what I mean? Do do something good every once in a while. And it's the exact same thing with chess. When you see a piece being a trash piece, you make it better by putting it in a dumpster. Now I'm just playing, but you you make it better. Obviously, you make the air, you make that area better. It. it let's get into it first of all the first things first your trash is somebody else's treasure okay so your trash your piece that's not doing nothing is a big advantage for your opponent and i need you to get that screwed in your head like when one or two of your pieces aren't doing their job correctly you are gonna suffer in the game no matter what you're going to suffer in that game there's there's no like good way to put that you're you're just going to suffer and i don't really know how to say that any other type of way but you should just know how to have active pieces okay the second thing one big tip to do is to look at which piece can be better and, and You got to look at which piece is basically a bad piece, what piece is doing the worst and make it better. For example, let's just pretend that we're a manager, right? You you own this big business. Maybe it's like Amazon or something. I don't don't know. I don't know. That's probably a bad example for this, but we're just going to go with it. Let's say that you're a manager or something, right? And as the manager, you're supposed to make sure everybody is working at their full potential because... If you can get that correct, then the big bosses that's above you are going to be like, huh, he's making sure that everybody is working at their full potential so that we can get our bonuses and get more rich. And that's pretty much how, that's your job as the manager of the chessboard, is to make sure that your bosses is getting more rich. <laughs> Yeah, that's a sad reality. But anyway, your your job is to make sure that you talk to your employees and be like, Hey, bud, you haven't been doing good in this section, so we're going to put you somewhere else. Or, hey, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I, I, can, I know three experiences straight off the top of my head of when you did something exceptionally good, right? You did You did something expo- en- exponential. And I can't even fathom, like, I still tell people about the story today. And then you just walk away, and then they'd be like, I wonder what I did to make them like that. And then they work harder. That's pretty much what you got to do with the chessboard. But on the chessboard, it's literally just moving them to a different spot or making them a a good person or maybe moving everybody else to where that piece is so it's not doing a horrible job because there are instances where the piece that seems like is at a good spot isn't really doing anything important. It's just hitting blank squares for no reason and you're going to lose the game if that piece stays there and you can't progress your position. So if you're attacking your opponent's king and realize there is a piece not supporting that plan, then it's your job to direct that piece to the right direction. Okay? If you're attacking your opponent's king, you should go in full force. And I'm gonna you should already know the principle by the end. This this is almost the end of the season. You should already know the principle. The principle Do not change when you're attacking your opponent's king. You attack with the full throttle, the full force, no matter what, okay? That's what you do. Okay, next tip is to trade your bad pieces with your opponent's good pieces. And I know this is easier said than done, but some of these can occur if you use your forcing moves to your advantage. Or the pins and forks and whatnot. You can figure out some way to finesse it. Grandmasters do it all the time. They do some desper- desperado, which is a real tactic. You Just look it up. It's called desperado. They do some desperado to, to make sure that they're still in the game and that they're not losing and... You know, Look, hey, he, he finessed a position that was losing and he could have he, he his opponent didn't find the right move. It happens all the time. Okay. So that's why it's good to trade pieces. It's good to just trade your bad pieces, especially when your king is being attacked relentlessly. You trade your defenders with their attackers to relinquish the attack. And honestly, trading pieces should be your default when the position is just bad for you. There's no other plan. There's no other plan. What are you looking for? the The, the plan is to trade pieces if you're in a cramped position, and it's and it gets this clear. You shouldn't be trading pieces when you're down in material. Just if you have a bad position, okay. Not when you're down in material. Don't don't get those two principles confused. Which could mean if your opponent's pieces are more developed than yours, or if your opponent has more space than you, you should be trading pieces, no matter what. Because when you trade the pieces that are developed on your opponent's side, or they have more space, then that kind of equalizes position. And then when you look on Stockfish or the computer engine, and then they be like, oh crap, this is actually more equal now since you traded pieces, good job on that. And it's it's basically a little shortcut. And plus, let me follow up with this um, last little thing right quick. You don't trade pieces when there is a tactic your opponent can do to give you no chances of winning. So basically, you don't want to trade into a winning position of your opponent still. Because tactic rules all. And you don't wanna be trading pieces and then lose to a silly tactic that leaves you down in material. So now you're down in material and um you, you your quality of pieces sucks. It's garbage, right? It's trash. You didn't pick up the trash, you just left it there. Actually, you pretty much made it more trash because I didn't tell you about the story, but you you had a bag of chips in your hand, a Dorito bag, and you decided to empty that bag onto the spot that was trashy and dirty, and this just threw everything everywhere where the trash was already at. You basically dumped your your trash illegally, and now you have a $500 fine, and you have to pay for it, um, and you're going to go to jail, and you got to pay a big bond because you didn't have the $500 to pay it. And, um, your, your girl, she's been trying to support you and she can't do it anymore. And she left you for your best friend and you're, you're just have no money, right? You, you, you're you just, you're by yourself and you realize that. And you're like, man, I wish I would have never just put more trash. I wish I would have just picked up the trash. I wish I would have just picked up the trash. So Whoever don't want that reality, whoever don't want that $500 fine, whoever wants a relationship in the future, I don't care what relationship, whoever wants a a partner for the long term in the future, make sure the quality of her pieces are good and make sure that you're trading your bad pieces with good intentions, not to worsen the pieces that have to stay on the board, Okay. If you follow me, say okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Hopefully, everything was good. I I love this topic of quality. So if I if I became a little bit more passionate than the other episodes, hey, I'm sorry, but it's dear to my heart, and it pains me to see a pawn moved instead of a piece that has more responsibility than a, a measly pawn. And the pawns need protection from the pieces. And it's it's just a whole ordeal. I, I've been talking about this for dang near 13 years now. And please, if you want to make H1 happy, just, just follow this. Re-listen to it. Just do what you can. But once you get this straight, I swear, your rating is going to go up to like 1,800. Just straight off the bat. I hope that you appreciate that and if you do, please follow me on YouTube, on Chess Knowledge with H1 I'm on Instagram, H1 Chess and I am on, what else? Man, I keep on forgetting. Facebook, Chess Knowledge with H1, Twitter, H1 Chess uh, I still got a Patreon if you want to support the podcast because this is free. So if you want to support the podcast, please uh, support it on Patreon. And other than that, um, I think I think that's pretty much it. And please don't don't miss out on following any episodes because this this is um, some good advice I've been holding in for a while. So if you don't want to miss it, please follow or subscribe on your platform. It, it, uh, on the platform that you're listening on it really helps and um i'm glad that you can be here i'm glad that you can be here to learn how to play chess because all i want everybody to do is to have an easier time becoming a, a, a good chess player so thank you and thank you for picking h1 today you did a good job peace